Hello everybody, it's Nicolette and this is the Creative Genius Show on Riverside Radio and it's such a pleasure to be here today. How is everybody doing today? Yeah, it's the end of the week and how has your week been, I wonder? Well, welcome to another The Creative Genius Show on Riverside Radio, the local radio show that is all about you tapping into your genius. Now, today we're going to be talking about stress and managing stress. And I want to ask you, really, um, do you know what stress is? Do you know when you feel stressed? I mean, it's a word, but it also means something. And what's your experience of that? So let's take some time today to unpick what stress is. And at the end of the show, towards the end of the show, I'm going to be offering you some lovely tools and tips as to how you can identify stress and and manage it as well for yourself. So there's a good chance that you have realized that stress isn't all bad. That that anxious feeling and not in your tummy as you prepare for an important occasion or a meeting or a gig or rehearsal or just something that means something to you, constant feeling of dread, followed by maybe some symptoms of wanting to go to the bathroom or headaches, fatigue, loss of appetite, maybe even overwhelm. All of those can be symptoms which we're going to go into a little bit deeper a little later. One is positive stress and the other is negative stress and one focuses on keeping us alive and alert and the other strains our nervous system because it may have started off with the objective of keeping us alive and alert but then it's continued it keeps going after the danger or the alertness has finished and that's when it becomes not so good So the first is an example of positive stress, and the second is an example of what they call chronic stress, the one that continues even after the horse has bolted as such. And stress is our body's instinctive way of responding to a danger or a threat, whether that danger or threat is real or your perception of danger or threat. You might know it as fight, flight, or freeze, and from a uh, a somatic perspective and a nervous system perspective, we've moved quite a long long way with research and understanding that freeze element of those three things. Uh, But today is actually more about the feeling of how you fight or flight within stress. It's the body's way of protecting you. It helps you to stay focused. It helps you to stay energetic and alert in preparation to deal with whatever that danger ahead is, whether it might be the slamming of the brakes because you've just seen something in front of you when you're driving, or maybe it's about producing strength where you have to defend yourself, whether it's emotionally, verbally, physically. When the stress response starts due to a threat, your nervous system responds by releasing a flood of stress hormones And they include adrenaline and cortisol. And they go around the body, kick-starting all the areas of the body that need to support you. They stop the digestive system from getting much blood. And the blood flows to the other extremities that need you to use your hands and your legs, for example, to kick and to punch or to run. And your heart rate quickens. Your muscles contract. Your blood pressure rises. Your breath quickens. And your senses become so much sharper because you need them to stay alive. 
And as a result, your strength and stamina and reaction time, they do increase as a response to that immediate danger or alertness that's needed. And your attention to detail also magnifies because you've got to see that whatever it is that's in the corner, around the corner, underneath a, a rock. You know, when you, I went to stay at a, an accommodation uh, once and they had lots of small cockroaches in there. I don't think they meant to have them. Well, I wasn't sharing with them, but they just kept coming in through some hole which they thought they had plugged up. And my alertness, my fear of danger for myself was heightened, mainly because I don't want to share my room, my bed, my floor, my wardrobe space, my bathroom with cockroaches. You know, they're living creatures. I'm not going to start killing them. But I just didn't want to share that space. And to be honest, they might be thinking the same. They might be thinking, actually, this is where we live and we don't want you in our space. But if they could think, I don't know what they would think. But the point I'm making here is my own experience of that was my alertness and my ability to see where they were coming from, when they were coming from, any movement peripherally. I was turning my head quickly just to check and be prepared. And so your responses and your attention to detail really does magnify when you feel that you're threatened in some way. And of course, there came a point where I just had to allow myself to accept that this was it. And I'd already spoken to the accommodation people and they were going to resolve it. But it was late at night and they were going to do it in the morning. So I could either spend the whole night being worried about it or I could just take a moment to breathe and accept that they were there sharing with me and just do what I could do to control the situation for me. And I calmed down, of course, because that's what we do when we take hold of our emotions and manage them. We find a way that works for us on the things that we can control. And I could control how I respond, but I couldn't control their presence. So beyond a certain point, um, stress ceases to be productive. It really does. And when exacerbated, it can seriously impact your health. It can impact your mood and it can impact your productivity, plus your relationships and generally your well-being and your approach towards life. But you may already know that because maybe you've experienced chronic stress where it's gone past that bit, where it's gone past the ability to just adapt to the immediate threat and move on. Maybe you're in chronic, chronic stress as you hear this. And unfortunately, the nervous system cannot tell the difference between stress caused by an argument and maybe a looming deadline, which is emotional. Can't tell the difference between that or being attacked and life and death situations, which is a physical response. And it will react in exactly the same way for both. And the more it is activated, the more efficient it becomes at switching on, activating, but it's harder to turn it off. It's harder to deactivate it because it becomes so fine-tuned in this new way of being, of being chronically stressed. So what's the impact on the mind and body of chronic stress? The stress that actually we want to move more away from and we want to enjoy the, the um the stress that is here, the acute stress in our space that's keeping us safe, we adjust to it and we move on. What's the impact on the mind and body of chronic stress? Well, there's a lot of uncertainty in life. We know that. And even more so when you're a creative. I'm sure you know that. 
as a creative listener because you're always thinking outside the box and doing things that the average Joe just might not dare to venture into for their own reasons. So whether it's concern for you as a creative or if you're a non-creative listening uh, professionally, it might be about the next paycheck. It might be about working to a deadline. It could be about dealing with pressures of balancing personal and work life situation. There's a chance that if you're juggling those or similar emotional responses that you spend much of your day in a heightened state of stress. And this can really take its toll on the body, as I'm sure you can imagine, or you're experiencing, because it disrupts every system from suppressing your immune system, upsetting your digestive system. You know, it's like when you're stressed and your tummy starts to do all sorts of stuff. It's not working efficiently anymore. And then if you're stressed, when you come out the other end, you suddenly grab all bugs that were around that just gravitate to you and you become ill. So there's your immune system that has become lessened and weakened. And also your reproductive system. You know, they do say that if you're wanting to reproduce as a woman and even as a man, what are your stress levels like? You know, they want to know that. It can also increase the risk of a heart attack or a stroke, raising your blood pressure. It can speed up the aging process to rewiring the brain. It can also cause problems with how your brain is functioning. And it can result in a vulnerability to anxiety, to depression and other mental health problems. If your brain has been rewired in a certain way that is now a negativity bias, which is the natural brain's response to stuff because it keeps us alive. But if we stay in that constantly day in and day out and don't give ourselves another way of being, of thinking, of perceiving, then that in itself is going to cause something negative physiologically, mentally, emotionally, spiritually, all around. So let's have a look at, you know, physically, what can you experience? Well, you're going to have skin problems such as eczema, for example, heart disease, which we mentioned, weight problems will be an issue, reproductive issues, which I mentioned, autoimmune diseases, which will could come in because your immune system has become weaker, a pain of any kind. So it could just be your knee starts to hurt, your back starts to hurt, your big toe starts to hurt, your little finger starts to hurt. Just an awareness that there's some misalignment within the body and digestive problems, which I mentioned earlier. And then if you are under stress mentally, you will see symptoms of depression and anxiety. You know, thinking and memory problems will also be an issue here. Plus, sleep will be interrupted in some way because the brain just constantly is trying to find solutions and resolve. And it goes round and it goes round and it goes round, keeping you awake at night if that's the time that you regularly sleep. So what are the causes of stress here? Well, in January last year, actually, 2018, Forth, which are clinical and digital experts, they conducted a survey of 2,000, 2,000 British people in order to gather some facts, some hard facts about stress levels across the UK. And here's what they discovered. Over a third, about 37% of British residents felt stressed for at least one full day per week, one full day 
per week. And that equates to four days in a month at a minimum. However, it doesn't end there. When taking into account the entire study group, Brits felt stressed for an average of nine days per month. An average of nine days per month. It might not sound a lot, but actually within each day that you feel stressed, that's quite weighty. And what's the impact of that on you? 39% felt they were too stressed day to day. And 54% worried about the impact that the stress was having on their health. 32% used exercise to overcome stress. It determined that women suffer stress for three days more than men. So 42% for women compared to 36% for men. And men preferred to go for a walk to relieve their stress, whilst women preferred to watch television. Now, the most common cause of stress in the UK, according to this study, appeared to be money for women and work for men, followed by health concerns, sleep deprivation, and then household chores. Yes, household chores are creating stress within men and women. Only 15% didn't feel stressed, meaning that a whopping 85% of the participants live with high amounts of stress from day to day. With 59% of women saying it worried them, re mental health and well-being, while 47 of the men said it just concerned them. And there were results published last year in 2018 in um, the Mental Health Foundation. They found that 74% of adults have felt so stressed in that year, 2018, at some point to the point of overwhelm and actually feeling out of control. And let's look across the pond to the US, okay? And we find that the most common sources of stress in a 2017 survey conducted by the American Psychological Association was the future of the nation followed by money and work. And the most common causes were job pressure, money, health, relationships, poor nutrition, media overload, and stress deprivation, in that order, actually. So if we're going to compare according to the stats, UK, US, it looks like we're doing pretty good in the UK in comparison with managing our emotions. It looks like we're doing pretty good in comparison, whereas the US, they name stress as its fourth cause of being you know, in a state of not being able to manage your relationships. Wow. It wasn't actually mentioned, stress wasn't mentioned as a prize cause of managing relationships in the UK. So anything that overloads you mentally, overloads you emotionally or physically can become what's known as a stressor, a stressor. So it could be an exhausting work schedule or a rocky relationship. They can be stressors, but so can positive events like getting married or getting a new job or getting a new gig or something that can just add to your emotional, mental, physical load of how you're dealing with it. So here's the thing, dear creative. There's not much we can do about external stresses. You know, the bus that makes us late, the venue that cancels or reschedules our gig, the family member that's terminally ill. We've got absolutely no control over the outcome of these situations. 
We do, however, have control over how we deal with them. You know, sometimes our stress can be internal, so that means we generate it ourselves. Once the initial threat has gone, we keep thinking about it. We keep generating emotional responses that are negative about that experience. It's how we choose to think about it, how we choose to perceive it, how we choose to interpret it that will matter and will determine our stress response. If we choose to worry excessively about something that's happened, that may or may not have happened, or have irrational, pessimistic, daily thoughts about it, we then perpetuate the cycle of a stress response. So it's a choice internally, even if the external stress isn't. Let's go for a little break. And when I come back, I'm going to just go through, actually, some of the common external and internal influences of stress. I'm back. Hello, Nicolette on the Creative Genius Show. Hope you're well. And we're talking about stress quite appropriately, I think, no? (laughs) Yeah. All right. So let's get straight back into where we were. We were talking about the stress levels that can happen that are either acute or chronic, how you can manage them. And I was also just sharing with you the ways that you can identify that you're having some kind of stress because of the way it's affecting you in the mind, emotionally and physically. So remember that the stress is also relative to your own personal experience. So the stress that you're experiencing, I mean, you may enjoy caring for your elderly relatives for example, whereas your siblings may find it quite overwhelming. And speaking in front of an audience, we know that's the number one fear, may daunt you. However, for someone else, it may exhilarate them. And so how do you deal with tight, tight, tight deadlines? For someone else who really enjoys them, they thrive on it, whereas others might freeze and shut down. So if we look at the common external and internal influences of stress, we'll see that external causes tend to be major life changes, work or school, relationship difficulties, financial problems, being too busy, which is debatable always, and children and family. Those are your external. Internal causes for stress could be pessimism, so how you look at the situation, glass half full, glass half empty, the inability to accept uncertainty, because uncertainty is life's certainty, rigid thinking, lack of flexibility there, so have you got a closed mindset, or do you allow for other ways of being, negative self-talk, that's very self-harming, unrealistic expectations, or maybe it's even perfectionism, so you don't really get anything done because it's not perfect enough. All or nothing attitude is another internal cause of stress, where you literally, if you can't do it the way you want to do it, forget it, just leave it. And that in itself can cause stress. And according to the widely validated Holmes and Ray stress scale, Here's the top 10 stressful life events for adults that can contribute to illness. We've got number one, death of a spouse. Number two, divorce. Number three, marriage separation. Number four, imprisonment. Number five, death of a close family member. 
Number six, injury of illness. Number seven, marriage. Number eight, job loss. Number nine, marriage reconciliation. And number 10, retirement. These are the factors that will influence your stress load. And these can include your support network, your sense of control, your attitude and outlook, your ability to deal with emotions, your knowledge and preparation. All of those different things can really influence how you see, perceive what's going on around you. Now, if we talk about your support network, when you're challenged and stressed in life, having a support network, as I'm sure you can appreciate, is so underpinning, isn't it? Having that scaffold there of supportive friends and family members who they've got your back. Or maybe it's someone who isn't within that family and friends, but it could be someone you work with or someone you share with. So a coach or a counsellor or a mentor in some way. They can really be an enormous buffer against stress. When you've got people you can count on, Life's pressures just don't seem that overwhelming, but they are overwhelming. Do you know what I mean? And on the contrary, the lonelier, the more isolated you are, the greater your risk of succumbing to stress. And it's an interesting cycle, isn't it? Because when you're stressed, you tend to move yourself further away from people, which means that you become more alienated and, uh, sorry, more isolated. So... The other thing is your sense of control can rise when you have both confidence in yourself and your resilience. So having people around you can really instill a sense of confidence within you and it can support your resilience, your ability to bounce back. When you persevere through challenges, that's how you're building that resilience and it's easier to take stress in the stride. I don't mean stress is easy, I just mean it's easier. On the other hand, if you believe that you have little control over your life, that you're at the mercy of your environment and your circumstances with very limited ability to make changes, then stress is more likely to knock you off course. So we're understanding that it is about our perception, but that, of course, can be to do with our upbringing and the people we had around us who inform how we see the world. I talked previously about stress being about how you perceive experiences and your outlook on life together with your attitude will determine that stress response. If life is seen through brightly colored specks, for example, during the challenging times with a sense of hope and optimism, then you're likely to feel less vulnerable. If, however, people who stare stress straight in the eye, yes, if they do that, they will be along the lines of those people who are feeling less vulnerable. And they tend to be quite accepting of change as an inevitable way of life, a part of life's challenges. They wear thicker skin, leading to a stronger sense of humor, which is good. It's great to be able to laugh at yourself, isn't it? Never mind laughing around other people. And they believe that there's something bigger than themselves in existence around them. And also they embrace the ability to handle stress so much stronger. I think if we can come away from thinking that it's just about us and we are the only thing, 
and we can take our attention to other people and what they might need, it can really support our process for being kinder to ourselves and also for understanding how we're coping and managing the stress. So when you have sound emotional intelligence and can identify and deal appropriately with your emotions, your tolerance to stress will increase and your ability to bounce back from adversity will grow. Knowing how to soothe and to calm yourself is essential for stepping away from agitation, from anger, from sadness or concern over enduring situations. And so, dear creative, I really invite you to think about how you are managing stresses, how you are identifying stresses, how you are getting to know what your stresses look like. And we're going to come up to that. Most of us like an exit strategy, a knowing of when something will be over. It's not always possible to gather this information though, but where possible, knowledge about your stress and preparation for a realistic outcome, it can reduce the incidence of stress and make it easier to cope. For example, you know, if you had a sudden international gig or an operation that you were going to be having on your body, with the gig, gaining understanding of how long you'll be away for and also what you need to take with you can really allow you to prepare your mind for the experience and be realistic about your contribution. Maybe you've got children or you've been around children or maybe it happened to you where you started secondary school but before you actually started a caregiver took you to the school, took you on the journey. You were allowed to go into the school to see the reception area to really Acquaint yourself with the smells and the energy and what it might be like so that when you actually go in there, you've already done it. It's not so new. And so when you've got something new that's coming up, how can you get yourself prepared for it so that anything that happens to you is more of an unexpected thing rather than something due to lack of preparation? With the operation example that I was giving you know, if you can gain as much understanding of the surgery as possible, which is they're really good in the NHS at the moment, because, for example, if you're having a knee replacement or a hip replacement, they allow you to come in for something. Uh, I've forgotten what it's called, but they allow you to go in and just have a chat with someone in a group about the operation to find out what's it going to be like? What's the operation itself like? What do you need to plan before the operation? And how do you expect to recover? How long is it? Uh, what do I need? Can I go home straight away? What do I need when I'm in hospital on the ward? What's the ward like? All these different questions that you'll have that if they're not answered can create a sense of stress for you. So if you can get yourself as much in the know about the situation, talking about a surgery here, as possible and the recovery process, you could greatly reduce the stress. If it's not you and it's someone around you, how could you support reducing their stress levels by assisting them? with whatever it is if it's not surgery. You know, we have really un unrealistic expectations of things. Um, if you're having a surgery, you want to be up and about as soon as possible. And if you're not and it passes your deadline, that's where you can get emotional stress. And the same can apply to any other example where you've put an unrealistic outcome to it. And if you don't match it, we have a feeling of less than. Well, you're not less than. Go back to what your expectation was and just question whether it was realistic or not. So gaining knowledge and being prepared can really help. 
when it comes to dealing with the emotional intelligence of how your body will respond. So how do we recognize stress overload? How do we know when we are stressed? Well, think of this. If you're walking down the road and you recognize a friend in the street, you can either say hello or you can ignore them. You know, if you get the chance to say hello, there's a good chance you'll say, hey, how are you doing? Nice to see you. You might have a chat longer or you might just walk on by. But you've acknowledged them. You've seen them. Or you might just ignore them, choose to look the other way. Well, they didn't see me. I don't want to talk to them. I pretend I didn't see them for whatever reason. Recognizing stress is more or less the same. It allows you to bring awareness to its presence because it can really creep up on you and become your normal way of thinking and feeling. And when it becomes your norm, your default, you don't know any different unless someone points it out. And if there's no one around you to point it out, you'll stay in that space. So you can either choose to deal with it or just let it be and continue on your way as you are. But first, before you do that, you're going to have to learn and understand how you can recognize it. You know, what does it look like in different forms? There's the cognitive, which is the mind. There's the emotional, which is that feeling. There's the physical, which is the body. And there's the behavioral, the results of all those others, how it shows to other people and to yourself. These will be the symptoms of stress through those areas. And I really encourage you to recognize the ones that may presently be affecting you when I share with you from each section just a few of the ways that you can acknowledge and recognize that sugar, maybe I'm on the road to stress or maybe I'm in there and I need to think about a way of getting out. So cognitive symptoms, memory problems, and all of these are not definitive. And of course, if you experience any of these, please do go and see your GP because they could be other things as well. Inability to concentrate, poor judgment, seeing only the negative side, anxious or racing thoughts, and constant worrying. That's the cognitive symptoms of stress, the stuff that will happen in the brain, in the mind. The mind is the expression of the brain. Emotional symptoms will be depression or general unhappiness, anxiety and agitation, moodiness, irritability, anger, feeling overwhelmed, loneliness and isolation, and other mental or emotional health problems because the list is long. Those are your emotional symptoms to stress. Physical symptoms to stress could be aches and pains, diarrhea, constipation, nausea, dizziness can also be something. And then you might feel some rapid heart pains, so chest pains, your heart rate increasing rapidly. Loss of your sex drive may also be a symptom and frequent colds or flus. Those will be your physical symptoms of stress. And then your behavioral symptoms will be eating more or less, sleeping too much or too little, withdrawing from others, procrastinating or neglecting responsibilities, using alcohol, cigarettes or drugs to relax, 
and nervous habits. For example, like pacing up and down, um, tapping your foot excessively, nail biting, those sorts of things. And they can all be symptoms in different ways of stress. So I really invite you to think about how stress is impacting your world. Now I'm going to share how we can overcome stress, how we can manage stress on a podcast which will be out over Christmas because this is the last show for 2019. Can you believe it? The last live show for 2019 and it's been such a pleasure to share and have guests. I want to thank all the guests who have come into this studio and been with me and shared the experience in 2019. This show would be nothing without you. So thank you very much, all of those guests. And I also want to thank Riverside Radio for having me for another year, coming up to the fifth year here. It's always a pleasure, thank you. Most importantly, I want to thank you, dear creative, for continuing to listen and to support the show, for sharing, And this show is about supporting your emotional intelligence, your somatic, the way your body responds to your emotional responses, and also allowing you to have a space that you know you can listen to and to serve you so that you can tap into that creative genius that we've all got really. The genius can be external to us, it can be something that's intuitive, or it can be something that you really own and embrace and literally just allow it to become a part of you. So I thank you very much for being with me each week and I invite you to listen to the podcasts that will be available from next Friday. They won't be from the live shows and they will be other bits of tools and information that will serve you right up until when the show comes back, which will be in February. Taking a lovely break to just gather thoughts as I invite you to do as much as you can. So thank you, dear listener, for supporting the show and for being here. And I really look forward to being back again in 2020. Uh, This year has been a wonderful year for the show. So um, I'm very, very grateful. Have a wonderful Christmas and an amazing new year doing what you want. And just remember that there are other people who don't necessarily enjoy the festive season for whatever personal reasons. And so let's just spare a thought for them whilst we enjoy and, um, and celebrate. doesn't mean that we shouldn't because they can't. It just means bring awareness to that they exist and that they're there. And reach out to them if you can. All right, well, I will see you on the other side in 2020 in February. And until then, I really invite you with much love and joy to keep creating.